the road to Acapulco is very hard indeed, and it isn't any better if you haven't any weed. Henry's driving hard straight on Tizzy Mountain Road. Fifty people waiting back in it's a Nice Guys Delivery podcast. Welcome, everybody. I'm your host, Rob Bleetstein. I'm joined today by Josh Hoffman from PAX. Welcome. Thank you for having me, Rob. Uh, you are the director of the Cannabis User Experience at PAX. Tell us a little bit about, uh, before we get into everything at PAX World, just about your history in the uh, cannabis industry. You've, you have a good one. Yeah. I like to say I've been selling since I was 13 and growing since I was about 19. Uh, so a long history in the illicit side of things. As legal opportunities or semi-legal or medical opportunities came, I moved to California to seize upon those and try to create a business that was more in line with where the industry was going. And so I started a cultivation company. From there, moved over into a vertical dispensary company. Wore many hats there from buying the product to deciding what we're growing to even running the grows uh, to helping with our, our marketing and brand identity. So really got a full... 360 view of of the industry while working at at spark did you start any of this uh before your uh move to california absolutely (laughs) this was a a, a middle school high school college love of mine in fact i uh did my first pilot business with my roommate in college where we essentially you know ran the college and sold all the cannabis that that came onto the campus there and then that branched out into cultivating cannabis and you know, this is all done in the deep south, so it's super illegal and dangerous, but some of us are just intrinsically motivated to propagate and, and spread the, the gospel of love of cannabis. So there I was. So when, uh, when things went legal here in California, how did you see that? It was like a new world opened up. I mean, I, I actually distinctly remember skipping back to my dorm in 2000, uh, reading news about what was going on in California with, with legalization. And so, uh, a group of my friends moved out to California and those friends created real companies that have lasting impact in the industry. Uh, they created companies like gold drop Cypress Legion of bloom and sense cultivators. And so uh, a bunch of Florida kids moved out to California and really started to make a uh, great industry out of the opportunities that were here. I've always considered PAX to be a, a real innovator in the industry. Um, I remember the first time I got turned on to it, I fell in love with it instantly. I was doing everything I could to turn friends onto it and things like that. Um, I remember. How do you see them as an innovator now that things are moving along and you have the new Era Pro? Um, I'd say you're probably one of the leaders in the, uh, the whole pod thing, but I think you're seen as a leader in the innovation world. So how's that going there now? I think PAX got its success and its credit from creating a device that really just simply worked. There were many vaporizers before the first packs, uh, but they were cumbersome. They had uh, a weird user experience. They had uh, long wait times, made weak hits. And packs sort of came around and, and although it didn't have a single feature that beat any of them uh, you know, on a foot race, the experience together was, was greater than the sum of its parts. And so PAX just started to have that, that UX, that user experience, that ease of use associated with it. It also helped that it had really nice industrial design. It looked like something that was more approachable than other cannabis products out on the market. And so when you have something that works well and that looks approachable, you get some, you get some action. And so 
the innovative part of that product was that it worked right and it looked right. Pax wanted to then get into the you know, growing oil industry. As you remember, oil is new. The proliferation of CO2 oil, especially in a portable format, is something that's uniquely from the last five years. Hash always existed before. Hash and concentrates were always available and were more portable, but they had, uh, there was no way to quickly use them. So when this, this market type was starting to emerge, Pax wanted to create a product that could capture uh, that a bit of that market, but also improve the user experience there, much like they improved the user experience on the flower side of the industry. It's kind of the iPhone of vaporizers. You know, it's, it's top notch, it's industry breaking, and it's attractive and easy to use. So it's kind of all that in one. I remember when I first got turned on to it, I think one of the first vaporizers I ever had might have been a, a G pen or something, but, mm -hmm. it, but it, it was just a mess. Mm -hmm. it, it involved like getting crap all, all oil all over mm -hmm. you and cleaning it and all this. And then being able to put actual leaf, not leaf, actual flower, mm -hmm. which I'm a big fan of, <laughs> getting that in the packs was, you know, that was groundbreaking in itself because it, number one, it was an interesting world. It was an interesting taste. It was an interesting high. And then, um, you know, there's that sort of health and safety issue to it, too, of where, like, okay, this is probably better for you than, you know, smoking 50 joints a day like some of us seem to like to do, especially since COVID. <laughs> Vaporizing is a healthier alternative to combustive smoke consumption. And uh, on top of that, PAX really focuses on using industry-leading uh, materials so that the, the overall composition of the product is just superior to what else is out there. So you're getting a hit that is free of all the things that you don't want in there. And uh, the company goes so far as we have in-house toxicologists and, and other, um, other chemists to, that test these materials to make sure that you know, the 400th time you put that thing to your mouth, there's nothing that's going to that's gonna go wrong. And when PAX came out with the first um, oil vaporizer, how did you see that? Well, I was part of the ERA project. Um, because I was working for Spark in San Francisco, we had a vaporizer lounge. And so people could come in and try the packs with cannabis in it, which led to us selling about two a day, which no one else was doing. So there was, you know, the, the trial aspect of that can't be overlooked. That, that really led to them to having a kind of street cred in, in that space. And so when the oil project was starting to come, uh, they contacted Spark and I went over to PAX and we started to talk about how to land a product like this in the industry. And so everything from how to uh, work with the brand partners to uh, what sort of formulas would be acceptable uh, from a cultural perspective and then also like what would be acceptable from a flavor profile and uh, help them understand you know, price points and, and other things and they really took the ball and ran and created the era with uh, temperature control. And so what they focused on was because flavor is so paramount in the cannabis user experience, other cartridges uh, and other, car other, car other batteries simply just heat up the cartridge to an unspecified temperature, not by controlling and understanding what temperature is there, but by just releasing power into the system. Well, what PAX does, the PAX era does, is it caps that power by checking what the temperature is hundreds of times a second. 
and therefore the oil doesn't overheat. When your oil stays at the exact right temperature, you get a, a more repeatable and predictable experience from that pod. I was really excited because PAX was gonna bring their quality control and their safety and their design to the space and uh, create another set of approachable products. Let's talk about the pod development. How does that actually work? Is, that, is it licensed out to different companies? I see that you know, there's more and more companies getting into it, which is great. Um, I love the selection and I mm -hmm. love certain brands over other ones. Does it have to go through a clearinghouse process? When someone creates a pod, does it have to get approved by you guys? Or, and, and then is it a standard pod that you guys send out that people fill up and then sell on their own? How does all that really work? So what we try to do is curate a selection of great brands in each state. And we meet with brands that we feel are going to adhere to high levels of safety and quality control that will be able to create products that are going to be distributed in lots of places and that are easy to find. And so we look at what brands are available and see if there's a match. Sometimes there's great brands that just aren't a match for packs and vice versa. And, and other times there's exact matches between the, the brand partner's mission and what, uh, what PAX is up to. And so uh, PAX supplies the hardware to the brand partner and they uh, experiment, formulate and fill it and bring it to market. Okay, so once they bring it to market, it's on them. And, say, and then if a customer has a faulty pod, like well, which does happen mm -hmm. uh, generally within any kind of product anywhere, you know, there's a few ones that fall by the wayside. What does one do with that? Is that, is that the uh, manufacturer, the brands? Yeah, so each deal? state's a little bit different. In California, if you were to get a faulty pod, a faulty cart, a faulty product in general, you'd go to the dispensary that you purchased it from. There's an element of track and trace. I'm sure you've heard of that in the industry. That's so that the uh, legislating bodies and enforcement bodies know where a cannabis product is so that there's no cannabis product being uh, leaked into illegal uh, streams. And so you return the product to the dispensary and then the dispensary works through the more or less track and trace system to allocate that pod back to the manufacturer. And then the manufacturer simply uh, gives them an, another pod product or cartridge. So with more states coming on board now with uh, legalized cannabis and medical, are you uh, actively getting into those states or starting to? Absolutely. We, we want to have a presence in every state that has a legal or medical framework because we believe that the PAX products uh, solve a lot of the consumer problems that currently exist in the space. And as new users get turned on to that, it'd be great if their first experience was at this with an elevated product. And you guys focus on like, you know, state by state rollout. Have you done like big things in Massachusetts or Illinois or probably obviously Colorado and California? Yeah, we're, we're in we're in 13 states. Uh, I have a few more on the deck considering that five states went or more than five states went uh, medical and legal. So there, our business development team is actively pursuing great brands in those states. And are you getting actively uh, solicited by firms to, you know, be one of your pod Pod fillers all the time. That's that's usually uh, we're usually solicited by a company. We research them, uh, talk to them, and figure out if it's a good if it's a good match. Uh, they do the same to us, and when we feel it's a good match between both parties, we we try to sign them onto the platform. Let's go into the hypothetical world for a second here. Should someday interstate commerce enter into the cannabis world, which we hope it does, mm -hmm. how how do you how do you see that as a total advantage? Yeah, I think. You know, it's going to be incremental. The first step is to have more safety 
uh, around the operations and practices within the industry, which is everything from how things are transported to how the industry interacts with banking. Outside of that, how interstate commerce will change things. I mean, it's gonna create, instead of having these micro economies state to state, it's gonna create a national economy and normal economic forces are gonna start to allocate uh, means of production and other, and other elements in the supply chain to, to areas that provide the highest quality at the lowest cost. I, I believe the West Coast is primed already to uh, provide those services throughout the country. Uh, that being said, there's still always gonna be a demand for local. And so, so every state and every area is gonna have, at some point still, a local economy around cultivation. But the mass product will probably come from larger consolidated farms on the West Coast. Yeah, the West Coast has a lot, a lot going for it in that world. And it's not just California. You go to Oregon; they have phenomenal flour in Oregon. You go to Washington; they have phenomenal flour in Washington. It's, it's, it's something. You know, the West Coast has just been at it for years, and this is where all the flavors are developed. This is where all the new tech and new. Uh, and new ideas sort of come from. So we're in a great position to lead the industry in not just innovation on flavors and cultivation, but on, on how those things are, are packaged, perceived, and, and sent out. And do you feel that way about Colorado as well? Colorado has a better legal structure around cannabis than California. They have their own host of problems, but they did a lot of things right, and they have become somewhat of a, a legislative model that other, other states look to. However, they don't necessarily have the same amount of outdoor months that the West Coast does of, of viable sunlight to produce product. I could see manufacturing and other companies uh, headquartering out of Colorado because not only is it, you know, a, a, it's a great state, it's a great place to live, it's a great place to be, uh, and it's, it's, it's central. So as, as cannabis becomes more national, having a more central access to companies would, would probably be ideal but I do not see them as a leader in cultivation in, in 10 years. Would PAX ever considered um, having its own oil supply thing going, or is it just strictly a technological hardware kind of company? So PAX's right to win is in technology, innovation, and hardware, and not in the consumables. We are fortunate to have created such an impactful product that companies that make the best oil in the, in the world and grow the best cannabis flowers in the world come to us all the time and, and, and want to work with us. So we're in a great position to marry our hardware and our software and our understanding of that side of, of the world with the cannabis side of the world. And that's a good thing. So you're focused and don't feel like you need to be in one stop for everything. So that, that's good. Precisely. We're, we, 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 we're going we're gonna to win on the, the things that we do best, which is creating innovative, useful technology that's approachable and that kind of just feels like magic. That's why you like the first packs. You put it in, you turn it on. It's like this magical supercomputer gets me high. Amazing. Well, and the thing was, and when the era came along and when the era, you know, then lived permanently in my pocket, uh -huh. it was like... I feel bad about my old pack sitting on the shelf, the flower one sitting on the shelf because the era is now this new, you know, it, it could not be any more convenient. It could not be any more sleek. It could not be any more discreet. It couldn't, it's just the, one of the greatest inventions ever. Yeah, <laughs> I, I agree. I really love the era and the era pro, uh, especially, I mean, not, not just how it hits, uh, but the connected ecosystem, you can put a pod in it, your, your era reads what it is and pops up what that, what is in that pod. So you have full transparency about what it is you're smoking. 
Uh, you also can control the temperature and you can even rate the pods. So we have a lot of feedback on what's, what's good, what is it and why. That's gonna create a more precise ecosystem over time where our product quality is gonna be higher and higher and higher. And could you tell me the difference between the Pro and the regular era? The Aero Pro, one of its main features has USB 3 charging. Um, it seems something minor, but uh, you know, not having to f mess around with those micro USBs is, is really convenient. So life in 2020, yeah. COVID, pandemic world, mm -hmm. how's that been affecting business, work, everything for you guys? So at PAX, you know, the cannabis industry was deemed essential, um, which those of us have used cannabis, have known that for years. So it's happy to have that recognized by the government. At first, there was a little bit of scare around uh, because it was a, a, a seen as like a lung issue that there was a lot of nervousness around oil. We were just coming off the heels of the Valley vape crisis, which was a 100% contained to the illegal market. And so uh, when the COVID came, it was, we, we were thankful to see that those, that those fears didn't really reignite. But what we also saw was a distinct preference and we started seeing lots of orders come in for packs twos and threes. Flower became very popular again in COVID and we saw orders come in for packs two and threes. And it was, uh, it was really great because we, you know, flower is a wonderful part. And because more people are home, they have the opportunity to go through the ritual of grinding the weed, packing it and sitting back and enjoying it where the era is really for, you know, your hustle and bustle moving around, going to and fro, it sits there with you and, ev and everywhere you go. Uh, the packs really found, you know, a lot of people found it again for the first time, you know, and uh, started packing it and using it. And again, I love the PAX 3. I always say it's a supercomputer that lets you smoke weed. <laughs> it, it, it just, it has all these different modes and it's easy to use and it just produces good hits. So to me, I was happy to see other people rediscover the PAX and, and really embrace it. And so we've done the same. And what's the future look like? Do people at PAX sit around in the lab, like looking at the PAX era going, playing the game of, can we top this? Absolutely. I'm fortunate to work with some of the smartest, most thoughtful, innovative people out there. These are people that could design self-driving cars or rocket ships to the moon. And they've decided to come and, and work at a company that, that to help make cannabis uh, more accepted. And everything from the reliability team to the mechanical engineers, to the firmware engineers, to the toxicologists, every day, sort of pound the pavement to, to, to figure out a way to create an even better and safer product. That's a core part of who PAX is and, and why we exist. And where does your mind take you in that department? If you've got, you've already got a super cool, and, and, and maybe the Aero Pro is the Tesla of vaporizers, not the iPhone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so so you've, you've, got, you've got the great flower vaporizer, you've got the great oil vaporizer. It's like, What's going on in your head, like where it could go? Well, we have a lot of irons in the fire. And they're probably confidential. And they're all confidential. <laughs> uh, but it is something, especially in my position, that I'm tasked with, with looking at investigating and, and, and bringing back uh, insights to the company. And so um, I, I'm a big fan of the industry at large. I, I love uh, smart vaporizers and smart rigs. And I love bongs and pipes and joints. And I, I really do. Um, and so I'm always keeping uh, my eyes and ears open and we have a, a really great staff that can take an idea that seems far-fetched and turn it into reality. 
Beautiful. And let's talk about some of the pods out there. Um, there's so many different flavors mm -hmm. and almost fragrances that, you know, they give off. And um, one of my favorites has always been um, the lavender that um, Legion of Bloom mm -hmm. makes. That's always been one of my favorites. Um, what's your whole take on the whole flavoring of the whole thing? After you understand how strong a product is and what its intended use is, so it's like sleep or energy, the next most important factor is flavor. And in fact, in most other industries, you don't buy by how strong something is. Um, you, you, you buy on the flavor profile. And so as cannabis starts to mature, the flavor profile is going to become a more, as cannabis industry starts to mature and people using cannabis become more educated about the effects and, and the dosing, flavor is going to become more paramount for purchasing decisions. And so how to formulate the flavor is you know, the, the trick and, and how to extract that flavor is the trick. And so we, we, we've, we've assembled a diverse set of brands that use different flavorants and extraction methods to create those, those pods. Personally, I love the Legion of Bloom sauce pods. They uh, just have this impactful flavor that is, you know, really anchored in cannabis, the, the, you know, the cannabis weed, classic kind of weed cannabis flavors, but just has that extra, extra kind of shine of the new terpenes that have been introduced into the breeding. So you've got this sort of watermelon kind of flavors in there uh, on top of your deep kind of OG Kush flavors. And I think that Legion of Bloom does an excellent job of capturing the new flavor and the old flavor and bring them together in a, in a pot experience. Cool. And that, now that you brought up the word terpenes, I have to sort of go down that road. Let's too. do it. Um, does it just blow your mind like it does mine? Just how seems like every other month or something, there's something new in the cannabis world that someone's discovered that, you know, just the way of just the way things are ingested now, created now, mm -hmm. the fact that there's, like you said, sauce, there's dabs, then finding out about um, THCA yeah. and all this other stuff. It's just every day there's something else. And it's just like, who would ever thought, you know, back in my early days of cannabis consumption, there were two kinds of weed, the kind that got you high and the kind that didn't. Yeah. And, <laughs> And now it's a, it's it's like a it's like a college course. Yeah, the amount of products can be intimidating. There's a lot of them because there's a lot of new users and old users alike that are are interested in trying different ways of experiencing cannabis. And so you've got manufacturers, you know, innovating new ways from their own personal experience, and you've got uh, consumers demanding certain attributes of of, of product quality uh, from the manufacturers. And so over the last you know few years, you've had rapid innovation in both extraction and formulation technology and that is not really going to slow down which is great because you can keep on trying new things uh in regards to terpenes they are a buzzword right but they also do exist what we don't know is what they do when you inhale them all the information we have about terpenes speaks to smelling them from a distance not necessarily inhaling them into your body and so there's a lot of speculation about what terpenes are doing. You can still enjoy terpenes without jumping into the speculation about what they are and how they're working. The terpenes are just essentially communicating one thing to you. Do I like this? If you smell something that you like, smoke it. If you smell something you don't like, don't smoke it. That's more or less as complicated as terpenes need to be for 99% of the population. The ones that really need to be concerned about what terpenes are doing and the concentrations they're at are the ones with PhDs 
and and they will tell us if there's something wrong going on with the with with what we're doing in those terpenes. I mean, mean it, I mean at Pax, I mean as the industry at large. And so uh, terpenes are simply just communication tools by nature to tell you if it's something that you like or don't like. And you'd be a good person to ask this too. Um, read recently about this. I don't know if it's a controversy or what, but um, somewhere somewhere someone's saying that the uh, the THC percentage quotient isn't as important as some people might think it is. That's absolutely true. So the THC is a coefficient. It tells us it's a, it's a it's a measurement of one point of signal from the cannabis plant. Because we can measure it, and because THC is known as the psychoactive component of cannabis, it's what is expressed in a number format. So this thing is 27%, this thing's 31%, this thing is 19%. But you and I know that you can smoke 16% UK cheese, and it's gonna get you way more stoned than 24% Doctor Who. And that THC isn't the only thing that's going on that indicates what's going to happen when you smoke the flower. And so, again, going back to terpenes, what's funny is that you have expressions in nature that actually line up with how plants grow. So plants that we call sativa and that are associated with outlet up and energy normally have citrus-like flavors. They, they come from hazes. And those flavors, those lemon, those flavors, they, they, they have color associations like orange and yellow, which have time of day associations like the sun rising and orange juice and daytime. And then you have all these other flavors on the other side, your gelatos, your cookies. Those are your sweets, right? Mm -hmm. When do you have your sweets? You have them at night, at dessert. And so, you know, going by those flavor profiles of what is energizing and associate with energizing and what is couch locking and associated with things that you do when you're locked on your couch, that's going to lead to 80% of the time, a satisfied user experience. It's all the hybrid and all the crazy stuff in the middle where all the wild flavors are expressed that, um, you have less predictable outcomes. And so again, the terpene is, is expressing, Hey, use this in the morning, like you would drink a glass of orange juice. Because if you pound a glass of orange juice and go to sleep, it's not a great sleep. Let's look to the future. Mm -hmm. What do you see? What do you want to see? The main thing I've seen in my 10 years in the medical legal space is that as people have less fear about cannabis, they become more receptive to it. At PAX, we're in a great position because we can make hardware that's approachable. We can communicate intent of use through design. And we can communicate a great experience through having great uh, UI and firmware and software as well. Products that are made that are approachable, that have good design, that have good user experiences are going to help make people less fearful of products. When you see someone taking a dab off of like a torched nail, you know, hey, let's make cannabis scary again. You know, that's not necessarily where I think it needs to go. I love dabs. I love dabbing, but I also recognize that in its current format, it's not necessarily something you want like your aunt walking in on you doing, you know? So the cannabis industry needs to get out of its avid early adopter consumer mindset of 
these archaic but very useful products and really start to embrace a more mainstream approach to what's out there, what's happening, and and how and what are the what are the things that people are looking for in their day-to-day products? And as cannabis becomes a more day-to-day thing, cannabis products needs to sort of match those conveniences and match those expectations. At the same time, it's important for cannabis to hold on to the roots of where it came from because cannabis isn't spreading across the country because you know soccer moms are necessarily demanding it. Cannabis started spreading across the country because gay men were dying of AIDS and others sought to, to figure out a way so they could help their friends. This isn't, you know, to take the edge off at a soccer game. This is because people were dying. And as cannabis grows and the positive effects that cannabis can have on people's lifestyle are more known, it's important for the industry to really be rooted to, to why it has a, a right to win, which is helping people. And so I want cannabis to continue to spread, but I also want it to continue to help people. There's no question that the help that it gives to cancer patients, to people doing chemo, to people with other, um, you know, kids with people with epilepsy mm-hmm. and just a, a whole wide range of things. And again, things in the future that probably will get discovered mm-hmm. that, you know, we have no idea about right now. And I do love what you said about dabbing because my first experience with an exposure to it was, I was like, oh my God, they, it's the, they've turned weed into crack. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, there's a, there's a little bit of a breaking bad edge to it. Cause you're, you're working with crystallization of the THCA and yada, yada. The truth is though, Dabs are a phenomenal way to consume cannabis because it concentrates all the awesome aspects of the plant. It concentrates the flavor. It concentrates the CBD and the THC and the THCA and all those pieces. And then you're able to inhale the vapor of that in, in one succinct hit. And I, I just love that it takes all the great elements of a plant and puts it into a, a really nice expression. That being said, we could work on how it's consumed. Yeah, and that being said, from my old school weed person's experience, limited, very super limited experience with it, um, there's a right way and a wrong way. And I found out the very hard way uh, about the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> and I've had the right way maybe twice. Yeah. And it was, be- it was amazing and it was great. But my bad experiences with it, at the moment outweigh my good ones. So I'll stick with my uh, pro era and my PAX three and my big fat doobies. The problem with the dabbing is it's hard to control the dosing. The era pro allows you to control the dosing and still have a concentrated experience that is as flavorful as dabs. So um, yeah, era pro is a great alternative to, to dabbing to any listeners who want to try dabbing. Don't dab a lot. You just need a little bit. It's ultra concentrated. Have a professional. Um, I'm serious. Have a professional guide you through it. Yeah. It, it's, it, it's the it's one place. It's the one place like edibles where overconsumption is, is very possible. And, but, uh, and also just like edibles, it's also the place where taking a real little bit is more beneficial. So if you have a, an acute pain situation, taking a short precise dab or a few doses off of the era pro is will probably actually be more effective than smoking a whole joint to yourself. There are other times when you don't have the acute pain and you actually are just trying to relax and really modulate your mind space where that joint is, is actually the better intended uh, use. Mm. I got a question for you. Um, mm-hmm. What do we know about tolerance with, with oils? 
It's not uh, specific to oils or flour because it's all just about the buildup of THC in, in your blood. So whether you build it up by smoking a lot of flour or by building up by smoking a lot of concentrate, you're going to hit you know, your terminal velocity of uh, weed saturation. And, you know, it's, it's, that's why it's good to take some tolerance breaks. If you don't, you will have to consume more and more and more and more to get the same effect. And that's not necessarily, even though everyone is in the industry wants to, in a sense, sell more. That's again, it's supposed to be helpful and doing more, too much of a good thing is not helpful. From my own experience since COVID, since March, um, my consumption has been through the roof. Me too. And I think it goes for a lot of people out there, uh, understandably so. That my, that my tolerance is so through the roof these days that edibles used to turn me into a piece of wood. And not a good thing, a super bad body high, and uh -huh. I don't know what would happen. It didn't always used to be like that. I used to be able to eat pot cookies back in the day. And lately, I've been um, back experimenting with it. And mm -hmm. I'm eating 10 milligrams of gummies here and 15, and I'm like, I don't think I feel anything. I'm certainly not the couch victim I was anytime I normally would do it. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting thing with... Um, tolerance and consumption and overconsumption and uh but uh i don't see my uh my, my tolerance break coming anytime too soon here <laughs> sometimes a tolerance break could just be not smoking in the morning the wake and bake doesn't happen for me generally because there's too much work to be done during the day yeah and, uh, for and, others and it's just for others it's just not smoking weed in the morning and for others for other people it's you know taking a three-day break and when someone tells me that, um, you know, this didn't really work or I didn't really feel it or mm -hmm. from that, I'm like, dude, you need a break at least for a couple of days. Yeah. You know, well, cool. Josh Hoffman from PAX. Thank you so much for joining us. Very, very educational today. I knew that I could count on you for this. Thank you, Rob, for having me anytime. All right. Nice Guys Delivery um, here in Marin County and parts of San Francisco. Check us out at NiceGuysDelivery.com. Check out PAX at PAX.com. And thank you again, Josh Hoffman. Thank you, PAX, for uh, coming into the studio today. And we were distance and we were masked. And hopefully you are too. Stay safe out there. And we'll see you soon again on the Nice Guys Delivery Podcast.